0: you want it darker by ms chunks chapter 72 the interview summary lights camera action ah i'm glad to have caught you all before you left nezu's voice is sharp and cheerful fluttering like bamboo wind chimes across the deserted UA campus as Aizawa, Hizashi, Hitoshi, and Kiki cross the schoolyard on their way out, fully caffeinated and as ready as they'll ever be. And look who's come with you, Hitoshi remarks happily, because Nezu is not alone. A stocky blob on stumps that tromps after him and greets them with a scratchy yowl. Has he been following you since yesterday? Kiki says with stifled amusement, while Hitoshi drops into a crouch and lets trash bag rub against his outstretched hands, chugging like a tugboat over being reunited with his owner. We have come to Nezu's eyes narrow, and at this point the cat turns his attention from spreading hair all over Hitoshi's new tracksuit to stare directly back at the principal with alarming intensity. An understanding. A chill literally runs up Aizawa's spine. And although Nezu doesn't appear to be able to commune with other animals in the way that, say, Koda does, they do seem to have a kind of bond that transcends the human breadth of experience. You're on the way to the police station, I take it? Nezu inquires, despite knowing damn well what they're doing. He always does, but manners matter immensely to him. Got my big interview in an hour. Hitoshi shrugs it off, but Aizawa's nerves are fraught. Then again, has always hated cameras, while Hitoshi seems rather comfortable in front of them. Hisashi appears to have briefed him thoroughly too, along with dabbing some kind of shimmery substance along the angles of Hitoshi's face that make the light hit his cheekbones like the edge of a mirror. And although Aizawa rolled his eyes when Hisashi looked his way over their impromptu makeup counter, he let it be. Wonderful, Nezu replies in that jovially creepy way of his, as this whole plan is clearly right up his alley. Have you perchance taken in the morning news before you embark? You mean, do I know that the media's still freaking out about my dad's escape and a bunch of people top themselves overnight? Hitoshi suggests so dryly it could be, it could suck the moisture out of the air. Yeah, I got the gist of it. Aizawa, to his shame, has done no such media trawling yet and had sort of expected to be updated on the way to the station. Him and Hitoshi's phone him and Hitoshi's phone in the back seat as they've tended towards. So he just asks, how many? Five, Hitoshi and Nezu answer in unison, but it's Hitoshi who continues. We don't know how many are dads though, or any, Nezu appends. And if it looks like a passing sympathy for a bloodthirsty killer, that's purely coincidence. By my projection, the mania surrounding the doctor and Shioko's killing spree is almost at its zenith, so I anticipate a high level of organic suicides in conjunction with the press' fervor. Oh, great, Hitoshi lilts with all the bitter sarcasm. Anything so desperately depressing merits. You mean people are starting to kill themselves on their own? Hitoshi Kiki states with a touch of horror. It's known as the Werther Effect, or a variation on the original phenomenon, Nezu explains, as if they've all just volunteered for one of his unasked-for lectures. A highly popularized suicide often triggers a number of other victims to do the same. Though, in this case, the killer's victims are not true suicide, but we can certainly expect a number of new deaths to be inspired by the frenzy. Well, gee, that's fucked up. Is Hisashi's contribution at this point. He's thankfully changed into his full hero gear before they leave, not taking any chances. And also because Aizawa told him if he wore out anything he didn't want torn or gotten dirty, then Aizawa would personally see to its tearing and dirtying himself. They all have to be on duty today, and although Kiki's still wearing her fashionable jumpsuit, three out of four is not bad. I'm afraid we have seen this scenario regarding Dr. Shinso before. Nezu announces morosely. After the first massacre, you mean. Hitoshi hops in before Nezu's class really takes off. Those were people who knew him, though. True, it was more limited to followers of Dr. Shinso. Those who hadn't been chosen for his experiment and wanted to prove their dedication after the fact. Nezu relates comfortably as their party resumes walking towards the car. Trashbag leaves Hitoshi's side to pursue Nezu the moment the principal turns his back to stroll onwards. Maybe the cat does think he can eat Nezu. Aizawa dares to wonder as they cross the courtyard, watching the bulky black cat following devotedly after the principal with something akin to murder in his eyes. Masaru's little cult went hysterical especially after his arrest, Kiki points out with a thick layer of ice over her tone from top to toe, even her posture stiff and unyielding as they delve this nasty pocket of the past. But there were a few who'd never met him that killed themselves too. Indeed, Nezua concurs morbidly, a sad affair indeed. How did they do it? Aizawa asks, and only realizes it's a weird question when everyone except Nezu turns to give him a look. Poison, mostly, Kiki answers curtly. They went to the house, or as close as they could get. Hitoshi's face is downcast, the long lines of his features even more soulful and stark than usual carved out with a touch of whatever Hizashi put on him to look almost ethereal rather than human. He hangs his head in that expressionless pout, hands heavy in his pockets. Aizawa wants to reach for him instinctually, but they don't have time for such touch therapy. And he might make some attempt not to challenge the title for Hitoshi's clingiest guardian. The teen's old enough to need some space, as well as support. That's a fair point of consideration, Aizawa, whether the present-day suicides bear similarity to those of the past. Nezu sounds like he'd love nothing more than to sit down and talk this over with a nice pot of tea, and although Aizawa's sure the conversation would be fruitful, they've got somewhere else to be, and he's he's not too cut up about missing out. I'm sure Sakachi will have a full update when we get to the station. Aizawa eases off Nezu's enthusiasm as they reach the car park, stalling as they take their pick between Hisashi and Kiki's car. Kiki should drive, Aizawa suggests, before either can offer to do it themselves. Why me? she replies. Because someone will throw a fit if anything happens to his car. Aizawa answers with a throw of his eyes at Hisashi. Oh? And it doesn't matter if something happens to mine, Kiki retorts, but Hisashi's already sold. No, no, he's right. Hisashi fully agrees. The crowds out front probably saw my baby yesterday, so best not to risk it. Did you just call a car your baby? Hitoshi scathes. And as much as Aizawa loves these little domestic moments, they've got some terrible stuff to do. Let's hit the road, he urges, while Nezu comes to a stop with trash bag at his side, like a semi-loyal steed. Bye, trash. Hitoshi's cooing to the cat, of course, stooping over to give him a final ruffle of the ears, which elicits a hoarse meow in return before they pack into the car. The ride over to the police station is strangely soporific, The caffeine rush not fully ramped up yet, and motion of the car making Aizawa drowsy. As does the return of music talk between Hisashi and Kiki in the front of the car. So when he's leaning over Hitoshi to watch his phone screen, while Hitoshi scrolls through the newest streams of hysteria over the breaking news they've known about for days, it seems natural enough to rest his head on Hitoshi's shoulder. You're kidding. Hitoshi softly teases, while Aizawa's allowing his eyes to drift shut. I watched you drink a bathtub of coffee this morning. Hasn't kicked in, Aizawa slurs. And now he's recharged. The Shinso effect isn't draining like it got to be yesterday. The opposite, in fact. Hitoshi is the flame to a mothy Aizawa, instinct-driven to bump against him over and over powerlessly drawn in by Hitoshi's presence. Hitoshi doesn't shove him off, so he must not mind, and Hitoshi slept on him plenty in the car yesterday, so fair's only fair. The next thing Aizawa knows is Hitoshi shaking him awake. We're here, Aizawa. What did I miss? His nap means skipping the crowds, which, selfishly, Aizawa doesn't mind either. They're not begging for another benefit concert by yours truly, I'll tell you that. Hisashi jokes from the front, and he's probably thrilled to have Kiki for company instead of having to punch Aizawa to keep him awake long enough to maintain the level of chatter Hisashi requires to be entertained. Astonishing, Aizawa quips, waiting for Hitoshi to get out on his side to follow on after. And with just a little top-up nap and the coffee hitting his system like a sledgehammer, he's at the perfect level to deal with the atrocious level of bullshit they've got in store. Thankfully, the police station car park is well-guarded and gated enough that no unauthorized personnel can get in, as the press must be hungrier now than ever now that the Death Note killer and infamous murderer behind the 99 massacre are fully unleashed on the public. The door into the station opens from within, and with his mentalist dials tuned just right, Aizawa knows who it is by the mark of his mind before hearing, And here they are, just as Detective Sakachi steps out beaming like a ray of morning sunshine. He must have gone home finally, because his shirt is clean and fresh, long sleeves unrolled and a tie that's not going to last long when the summer's day heats up but then hearing the click-clack of Kiki's heels up the short steps, Aizawa finally clocks it. Stupid of him to miss all the signs so clearly laid out. Kiki's glamorous jumpsuit, Hitoshi's chiseled cheekbones, buttoned-up detective. the preparing to be on TV. How are you all this morning? Sakachi asks genially though the signs of wear and tear from this case aren't invisible if you know where to look on his subtly lined face. As well as we can be, all things considered, Kiki answers as she draws level with him, then turns back to Hitoshi, lagging by Aizawa's side. Come on, they must be waiting for us. But it's Aizawa, Hitoshi turns to. You're coming, right? Aizawa uh, hesitates, not because he seriously doubts whether he's going to be there, but how to express his allergy to cameras in the best way possible. Just keep him away from the cameras and he'll be fine. Hazashi's As hand thumps on the back of Aizawa's shoulder, his grinned beyond shit-eating. You know what they say, can't polish a turd. Hitoshi gives a snort looking to Aizawa for retaliation, but he'll find no argument there. The camera hates Aizawa almost as much as he does it in return. And Hisashi jokes that his only good side is front of, his only good side in front of one is ass up and tied up, which Aizawa happens to agree with, but they don't talk about those pictures. The chief has prepared his office for the interview and he'll want to say a word beforehand. Sakachi explains, to Kiki mostly, but the rest of them still benefit from this update. It's impressive the detective convinced his superiors to go along with this at all, but then Aizawa's not sure how many options they had, and all these fresh bodies don't look good on their books either. All right then, Hitoshi declares quite cheerfully for what he's about to do, but Hisashi didn't teach him all about finding his best side for nothing. A performance starts even before the cameras roll. If Hitoshi's to be as convincing as he needs to be, he's gotta be getting into character already. Let's make me into a killer. Sakachi gives Hitoshi a lingering stare, just a blip on the radar before he's back to business. Right, follow me. They know the way to the chief's office but they don't want to take any chances with the station in such strict lockdown. And even the normal low levels of people around the place are long gone. Not working today or sent home from the risk of a workspace that's become a hub for the crazed fans of a pair of murderers on the run. Walking up in steely silence, everything is set up in Surigame's office already. Cameras, lights, and even Sugiyama has dressed up for the occasion changing his thick glasses for contacts, and his hair less greasy than usual. He's got a face behind those frames, it turns out, and looks rather different with his TV face on compared to the determined journalist who's dogged them. Speaking of which... Ah, welcome, greets Chief Surigame to their party. I trust you still mean to proceed as Sakachi has informed me? I haven't gotten cold feet and changed my mind, if that's what you mean. Hitoshi lilts, his eyelids low and discerning. Sugiyama looks up at him, and the air is more loaded than cricket on a heavy night. The lights all face towards a couple of chairs set at the end of the chief's office, the nicest room the police have to face the public from. There's an eerie silence across the room in anticipation of what's coming, without knowing exactly what they're going to get. Hitoshi's mentalist energy is practically nuclear, his face solemn and hard, steely-eyed and looking every bit like his father. A resemblance the public is going to eat up, and they better. Then we should begin, Surigame announces, signaling to the cameraman as he strides into frame guided by hand gestures to shuffle into the center of the shot and given a countdown before the recording begins. Thankfully, not live. None of them would risk that. This explains why the Chief's opening words are, Good afternoon, everyone. This is Police Chief Surigame, sharing an important update regarding the newest killings linked to the work of the Death Note Killer, who we now believe to have facilitated the escape of and now be killing alongside Dr. Shinso Masaru, the perpetrator of the 99 Massacre. There's a cold ripple across the room, or maybe that's just as Aizawa feels it, and instinctively he reaches for Hitoshi's shoulder, resting a light touch of his fingertips, nothing too demanding. Hitoshi's eyes flick sideways and down to Aizawa's hand, then rise back up to the front, as the chief continues his introduction. The police have been cooperating with Dr. Shinso's son regarding this case, and have arranged the following interview in the hopes of revealing more information regarding these killings. Bowing low, the chief seems as stoic and demanding as his role permits for once, and didn't even say anything doggy. Thank you. And cut the cameraman says stiffly. The chief gives a deep sigh that almost sounds like a fatigued woof as he pulls out a handkerchief and dabs his jowls. Was that all right? All good, chief, the cameraman responds, a nondescript man with white hair who turns around to Sugiyama and Hitoshi. You two are up. Aizawa withdraws his hand from Hitoshi's shoulder and Hitoshi strides forward into the lights. Since Hisashi has gotten his hands on Hitoshi, from his haircut to the cosmetics Hisashi no doubt purchased on his latest shopping spree, the teen is looking extra long and striking, like he's a figure from a Renaissance painting stretched on a canvas. Sugiyama, by comparison, seems like a greasy dwarf, Hitoshi even sitting taller than him in the chairs they sink into. Hitoshi doesn't talk and his stiff, unreacting expression is so spot on for the doc, it makes Aizawa realize how much he's gotten used to Hitoshi emoting. Even if it's not always positive emotions, his tantrums, his sulking, and petulant stares among a few, he's still showing them. But that's not what the Shinso brand is about, which is hard, unflinching perfection and when the lights hit his face, Hitoshi shifts slowly from one side to another, only stopping when Hisashi, peering over the cameraman's shoulder, raises a silent thumbs up across the room. Must have found his best side. Three, two, one, and action! The cameraman rings out, and the room is silent again for a moment, while Hitoshi and Sugiyama glisten under the lights if for very different reasons. This is Sugiyama of Hero's Daily Reporter, and I'm here with Shinso Hitoshi. May I call you Shinso? Hitoshi doesn't move a muscle. Doesn't even fucking blink, except minuscule movements of his mouth, to deliver a static... You may. Shinso, You've been cooperating with the police on this investigation of the Death Note killer for some time. Would you say you're familiar with the killer's work? Hitoshi emotes now, but not in a good way. His smile is faint, but twisted, and doesn't match his eyes. Giving the whole thing a creepy appeal as he moves slowly, like the head of a charmed snake. Oh, I'm familiar. How familiar? Hitoshi leans forward a little, towards the camera, not Sugiyama, though his eyeline sort of hits the journalist. It also faces to the front, as if to acknowledge he knows the audience is there and is bringing them in on his secret. Intimately familiar. Then what would you say your impression is of these two? of the Death Note killer and your father, Dr. Shinso. Sugiyama doesn't hesitate to remind the viewers of this connection. Not that it's easy to forget watching Hitoshi now. Aizawa knows that Sugiyama must have been grilled by Sakachi and Kiki rigorously, so nothing he says ought to be a surprise. But that doesn't make it any more comforting. Hitoshi settles back again, finding his best side once more, another thumbs up from his ashi, vain creature, before fixing his gaze fully onto the camera. This part isn't for Sugiyama. This is for one man and one man only. Honestly, I'd say they're a bit underwhelming. Underwhelming? If Sugiyama is feigning surprise, he's a proficient actor. More likely is that he's just not actually expecting Hitoshi's responses, despite being fed the questions. A tight script never comes off as real as an improvisation, so they must marry the two enough to make it seem organic. In what way? Well, I mean, it's a bit tired, isn't it? Hitoshi suggests, with the control that's chilling, the calmness that his mother, as well as his father, both marshaled to terrifying effect. Because it's not people who scream that you should be most afraid of, but the ones who speak softly and never blink, who as soon as cut your throat and smile at you while they do it. Merely repeating what my father made people do all those years ago, I'd hardly call that original. Originality is something you think matters in this context? Sugiyama hunches into Hitoshi, like his gravity is impossible to resist. And although Aizawa still feels a little bit like punching him, it's mostly offset by relief that he feels like they actually know this man enough to maybe be able to trust him. Isn't originality something we should all strive for? Hitoshi addresses to Sugiyama with a polite smirk, which drops when he turns back to the front, even in Murderers. I beg your pardon, but are you suggesting the Death Note killer and Dr. Shinso ought to be more original in the way they're killing people? It's going to be a great news chunk, Aizawa can already tell. An interview that goes off the rails. Footage released in conjunction with the news that Hitoshi is being held for questioning, following the discovery of new evidence that may or may not have been put there on purpose yesterday. I'm just saying, anyone could do what they're doing. Hitoshi writes off, still looking at the front, now with a private glint of amusement in his piercing violet eyes. Anyone with a mind control quirk. Sugiyama points out. And then after just a resting pause of a second or two continues. You inherited your father's quirk, did you not? Hitoshi turns pleasantly back to Sugiyama and they seem like figures posed against a flat backdrop, even though it's just one end of Surigame's office cleared out to make room for them. Shadow puppets being cast against the wall, putting on a show for all the gullible children. Smiling openly, Hitoshi answers, I did. So in theory, you would be able to make someone kill themselves in the same way as your father and Shioko are? Oh yes. Hitoshi exudes smugness, an air of aloof certainty that he knows things others do not, and that the power it gives him is corrupting. The Shinso effect is... Inebriating, no doubt, but it's only when abused that a habit becomes a vice. So if you did, in theory, of course, kill someone with your quirk, you would strive for more originality. Well, if it were me, Hitoshi purrs, I would probably start out doing what they do just to make the point that I could. And as it happens, he already has, but whether they drag all of that out now is yet to be seen. They're only recording, not live, which Izawa knows they can edit and cut the footage however they want, so there's no telling how far it'll go. And after that, Hitoshi makes an appearance of thinking over or maybe he really is contemplating what comes next, as I was not sure he wants to know. But this whole process has been unpleasant from, start, from the start for a reason. It's utterly hateful. After that, I would challenge them to pick on someone their own size. Hitoshi lilts in his most intoxicating, let me use my quirk on you tone. his mental aura is like a siren song, the rest of the room just standing in shock and awe, watching him work. Meaning what? Sugiyama asks. Making normal people kill themselves is so... easy. Hitoshi unfolds hypnotically. And it is true. Aizawa knows all too well how quickly most people's lives just slip right away killing heroes. Now that takes work. You'd target heroes, Sugiyama seems to gasp, and Hitoshi was supposed to present himself as a villain, so this fits the bill to a T. Theoretically, of course. Of course, Hitoshi echoes, like he means it less and less each time. Why wouldn't I? We hold heroes up to these perfect, profound things, more powerful than the rest of us. They're idolized in our society, so isn't it more impressive to take on a hero and warp their mind to the point of taking their own life? Hitoshi smiles widely now, lit up from the eyes, and Haizawa gets why Hitoshi was so keen to impress on the rest of them that this was an act. It's fucking convincing, if you don't know the context. You were rejected from the hero course at UA, were you? Sugiyama's research comes up trumps, and credit where credit's due, he's an admirable scene partner for Hitoshi. Yes, Hitoshi replies. Seems I'm not the sort of thing they're looking for but you still entered the school as a general studies student. Why would you do that? Sugiyama doesn't give Hitoshi a chance to answer before he comes in with a suggestion. Did you want to get close to the future generation of heroes? Hitoshi's little titter is breathy and dismissive, a cruel in-joke with himself. If you can call them that, Aizawa huffs a mix of amusement and disapproval. Then a nudge in his side turns out to be Kiki, who's still staring dead at Hitoshi with a transfixed scowl of pure dread. Perhaps it's not the fear that any of this could be true, but merely confronted with a mother's worst nightmare, even just a facsimile. How her son could have turned out wrong. You aren't bitter? About being rejected, I mean. Hitoshi tilts his head to one side, as if he doesn't understand the question. Rejected by who? Or perhaps just the specifics, then. Hitoshi has been rejected by a lot of people, it's true. Boxed up and turned into, well, this. A villain in waiting. The school. Sugiyama follows right up with, but it sounds like you're saying you're used to rejection due to your quirk and connection to Dr. Shinso. It appears to be a trend, Hitoshi answers as smooth as perfectly flat silk on a table, a tone that's almost soothing. No matter. I don't get bitter. Hitoshi shares secretively with Sugiyama, tipping his chin down just enough that a hint of shadow catches across his face, before shifting back to catch the best side straight down the camera. I get even. Even Sugiyama seems staggered for a second, or pretending very convincingly. And you are aware, Shinso, That some of the latest victims aren't thought to be the work of the Death Note killer, or your father at all. Oh? Hitoshi inquires obliquely. Every sheer angle in his face, the edge of a cliff the camera seems to be hanging onto, just staring into the abyss. Yes, they believe that a copycat has been mimicking their pattern. Forced suicides, bloody Death Notes, but... That it's the work of someone else with a mind-control quirk. Just a pause again for dramatic effect. That doesn't seem to surprise you. Hitoshi is an unflickering radar, not a blip on that perfect marbled face. Shut it. Somehow, Aizawa doesn't think they're going to have trouble making it seem like Hitoshi is connected to the murders. Sugiyama just stares at Hitoshi at first, then his expression toughens up. I would think so, seeing as this is a brand new information the police have agreed to share exclusively for this interview. In fact, Detective Sakachi is here to present on the findings. Right on cue, Sakachi steps in front of the camera, holding a cardboard file. Hitoshi's head doesn't move to follow the detective's approach but his eyes do, flitting up to watch Sakachi walk up and stop between Hitoshi and Sugiyama center stage. The detective has agreed to release these images of the crime scene for the first time here on camera. Sugiyama introduces with just a hint of sensationalism that'll really make this bit zing, and Aizawa's got the urge to leap through a window again. Not because it'll help, just because it's the feeling all this shit gives him. Hello, Shinso. Sakachi remarks coolly, and if his opinion of Hitoshi was altered at all by what he found in the alleyway yesterday, now's the time to show it. Detective. Hitoshi replies, dead behind the eyes, his hands resting perfectly still on the armrests of his chair. What can you tell me about these photos? Sakachi slips the first image out of the file and holds it up to Hitoshi, the Shimizu's apartment. No body but the words, happy now, just visible on the wall despite the blurry picture. Sakachi then turns it to the camera for just long enough to get the gist across. Handing it to Hitoshi, he takes longer with the second image, showing the camera first, the eerie, you made me scrawled in real blood above the mutilated body they put there yesterday, before handing this one over too. There's a moment where it seems as if doubt flickers across Hitoshi's face when he's confronted with the second picture, hesitant to take it, the more visceral reminder of what he did. This is the one that took a toll on him, and maybe his wavering is intentional, but it could as easily be authentic. What would you like to know? Hitoshi says, but there's less certainty in his tone now. A quality of skittishness that hides under the surface. Do you recognize either of these people? Asks Sakachi. Not really, Hitoshi defers. Are they important in some way? Then the messages... Sakachi takes to task next. Do you believe they're from the Death Note Killer and Dr. Shinso? From? Hitoshi shakes his head. No. To. And what makes you think that? You said it was a copycat, didn't you? Hitoshi looks away from the pictures forced upon him holding them lax in one hand as his eyes find the camera lens instead. They must want to communicate with him. Meaning the copycat, Sugiyama suggests. They want to talk to your father. Yes, Hitoshi confirms, while the hairs on the back of Aizawa's arms prickle, the phantom of something evil passing. Sakachi drifts toward the back of the room, still between Hitoshi and Sugiyama, but setting himself behind them, no longer pulling focus as the weight of the interview shifts back to the practiced spectacle. And if you were, and if you were to go, and if you were going to speak to your father right now, Sugiyama invites ominously and Aizawa sees the way one of Hitoshi's hands tightens around the armrest, knuckles whiter than the rest of his hands. What would you like to say to him? I'd tell him. I hope he's watching. Hitoshi becomes more animated all of a sudden, sitting forward like a snake moves to strike, letting the pictures he's holding tip onto the floor and hissing a venomous, because he hasn't seen anything. Anything yet. There's a moment of unsettling quiet, and Aizawa feels something on his arm again, glancing down to realize it's Kiki's hand, clutching his sleeve as tight as Hitoshi grips the chair beneath him. Were you and your father close before the massacre? Sugiyama continues as if nothing could be the matter though he's sweating like a pig in a sausage factory, giving his skin a distinct shine under the lights that makes Hitoshi look positively radiant by comparison. Not exactly, Hitoshi replies trickily, sitting back. And if he lied too obviously, the doc would never fall for it. No, this has to be a plausible lie. Cut just close enough to the truth with the scalpel veering off doesn't seem so far-fetched. We didn't see eye-to-eye on a lot of things. What kind of things? Things like those pictures, Hitoshi answers forebodingly, a tilt of his head at the floor where the images lie upturned at his feet. But to tell you the truth, I'm starting to come around. Come again? Have you even read his book? Hitoshi remarks so scornfully that it's like electricity through the room. Azawa feels more than a little on edge, knowing he's probably one of the handful of people in the room who has, which means he's got an idea of where this is going. What does that have to do with it? Sugiyama is a great fit for this role, with his cheap suit and his narrow eyes set just a little too far apart. He makes everything sound skeevy and like Hitoshi's hiding something, which is absolutely true. The purest expression of living life is taking it from someone else, wouldn't you say? Hitoshi begins to unwind like a ball of yarn rolling off a table onto the floor. Sugiyama looks so moist, he can slide down a window on his own fluids. But maybe it's just the lights. Then again, maybe it's not. Not for the people dying. No, for them too. Hitoshi counters, and from where Aizao is standing, he's almost bowled back by the powerful wave of mentalist energy that rolls off Hitoshi like stormy waves blown in from the sea. This is the part of his quirk that he inherited from his mother. Even if it can't be translated through the camera, it sure as fuck freaks the rest of them out in the room. It's an unhearable noise, almost exactly like howling winds, met with silence that you could hear a pin drop in until Hitoshi starts to speak, as if reading an incantation. We live our whole, pathetic little lives in fear of this or that looking for ways to make ourselves feel better about being worse than we'd like to make out. Hitoshi's staring down the lens as if he's looking straight into the doc's eyes, talking to his father through the prison bars. All people like my father are doing is giving us the push to do things we've always wanted to, deep down. What makes you think dying is what the victims want? Sakachi's question intrudes, a sharp streak of honesty that cuts true as it'll ever be. But this is something Hitoshi understands better than people like the detective ever will, and that's just what they're here to expose. Hitoshi looks up and over at Sakachi, putting him in profile to the camera for a moment, the precise lines of his face thrown into striking contrast with the background, unlike anything or anyone else in the room. Why detective? Hitoshi remarks as an eerie smile stretches his cheeks. As if he barely remembers how and this is his best attempt. Because killing them is so easy. Aizawa knows Hitoshi's smiles, his real ones, and they're nothing like this abomination. This is the monster version of Hitoshi. A bad timeline. The one they're going to have to make everyone believe. And yeah, they're gonna believe it.